Before we begin, everyone, I just have to say that I'm really, really excited because the gang's all here. We finally made it. We got five again. It's been a while, and I think I have some background music going on. You working? There we go. <laughs> it's been, I don't even know how many months, guys, since we've had all five. But, uh, I'm glad we. I'm glad we, we're all back. We're all back, and it's just in time for our quarterly best ideas show, which is a, it's a fan favorite. It's a favorite of ours. Try to explore some good ideas out there or bad idea, um, bad ideas potentially. Uh, just because it's a best idea doesn't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> so, um, before we hit, get into that, um, as always, please like, comment, subscribe. It goes a long way towards helping the channel. And check out those links in the description below as well. Um, we got our discount links to both Seeking Alpha and to Share Sites, so uh, you can get a, a discount on their premium subscription for both of those, and that also goes a long way towards up on the channel as well. And check out the Discord as well if you haven't already. Um, all right, guys, uh, we 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 got a lot to get to because in addition to our potential best ideas, we've had some pretty big news this week, at least. Uh, in the value space, we saw SRG the other day. We put out a poll to see what we should actually talk about today because we were very tempted to just do a full episode on SRG, which we might still do maybe next week. We'll, we'll see what, what you guys want. Um, but then also, uh, uh, we just heard today that Elon Musk is pulling out of the Twitter deal. So that's that's uh, that's some spicy drama. Maybe we can talk about some of that uh, on, on the back end here uh, after we get through kind of our, our best ideas or something like that. Um, does that sound good with everyone? <laughs> I don't want to make <clears throat> an anim, uh, a uh, unilateral decision here. Um, unless someone wants to Sounds volunteer good. with their first best idea. Well, I'm wondering if we should say anything, you know, in the opening about Seritage. There's a question right off the bat here from James. Which one's here? Uh, Anyone selling? Okay, we, we can do a quick thing on Seritage. If you guys haven't heard, um, the uh, the company has decided that it's going to try to liquidate, uh, which is, was sort of a big uh, part of the thesis uh, when we were, we've been talking about it for really years at this point. Um, and, and, that, and the whole idea being that they have more real estate value uh, after debt ver- versus their market cap, so they're afraid to have that sort of upside play, the cigar butt of sorts. Um, but of course he had all the, the cash burn and all that as a, as a big risk and still is, but uh question from James here, are you going to sell at a break even for SRG? Or are you going to see how it plays out as uh, a few of us have, I know a few of us have been invested in, uh, Tom, are you, are you the only one left or are you still in Brad? I'm still in. Okay. So I you, you're both in as well. I'm in too. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, because you always wanted that equity Commonwealth SRG merger that now um, it can still happen. <laughs> it could still happen now and now more than ever. Now that SRG is serious about, about selling off, so that would be pretty funny. They've got um, the common tenant CBRE. So. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's, it would be seamless. Um, so what are you guys doing? Uh, does this mean like once we get back to our each of our individual cost bases, is would we sell? Is that kind of the question here? I, I guess Sounds so. Like, yeah. Just what's your plan yeah. with SRG if you have one? I based uh, kind of your hot take on the news. We can get more in depth maybe next time because I, I think it warrants its own episode. But kind of a, a hot take. 
It's also in yeah, the I, punch card portfolio. Also, mm -hmm. true. I'll pull that up in the meantime because I guess we have to make a collective decision on what to do with that one, or do we? What are the rules there? I don't even know. Well, we have to have a new idea to go in first, and then we vote one out. Mm -hmm. I think Frank's the happiest. He just like it's out finally. Wow, <laughs> wow. The, the, the portfolio line is actually beautiful today. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a look this morning. It's gone vertical. Yeah, last month they laughed at us. This month it's... <laughs> we're still well below the market, but uh, okay. spoil. This yeah. month they'll continue. Oh, look at that! Look at that exponential growth right there. The full portfolio. Is it, what What's was the it up benchmark sixty like percent today or something like that? Oh, S and P. We're still well below our cost basis, but uh, great in uh, in recent terms. <laughs> Well, Frank brings up a good point. Should we change our benchmark? That might uh, help us out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we got to do the old uh, compare. No, we're not going to play those hedge fund games. That's yeah, yeah. You compare about. yourself to 1970s Berkshire or whatever, and you know. Can we put Arc as our benchmark or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we are deep value, so. <laughs> yeah, we're we're deep in deep value. Um, so yeah, that's the punch card portfolio being pulled pulled up by SRG today. Wow, which was your, which I think was your pick, Brad. So it was so you go pick. first. What, what are you doing? Uh, I'm not doing anything. Uh, yeah, the the liquidation value was sort of my um, downside protection. Unfortunately, it seems like that's that's the route it's going. Uh, which you know, hopefully. It happens fast, right? Because time is is kind of against us in some ways. We're going to be liquidating, but you know, I think the properties are worth quite a bit more than than what the the market thinks the company is worth right now. So I'm going to wait and see what happens. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of doing the same. Right. <clears throat> um. They, they... Oh, yeah. Oh. Tom, you want to expand on that? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of finer details that came out in the proxy materials yesterday. They said um, they gave a range of $18.50 to $29 per share is what they expect to be able to distribute versus the current price of, I think, 10 or 11 after after today. Um, and they, yeah, they said they expect it to take between 18 and 30 months. Um, so they're Ooh. sort of the, the two things they're working off at the moment and and this is all subject to shareholder approval so they need a two-thirds approval vote they've already got 29 percent of that purely from eddie lampert who's signed, <laughs> signed an agreement saying that he's in favor of a liquidation so that leaves you know a little more than half of the remaining shareholders needing to vote for it would you yeah, expect that shareholders will be up for that i couldn't see um, why not at this point? I guess it depends on the cost basis of a lot of these investors, but any recent shareholders, I think this is good news for. Um, maybe for anyone sure. that <laughs> paid closer to that, I don't know, that $19 range when it was around um, that last year sometime, maybe they're not as happy, but I assume it's something that's going to go ahead anyway. I'd be pretty surprised if it didn't go through, but anything's possible. I yep. think it's a wait and watch right now because any I feel like some there's going to be a twist. Someone's going to do something. <laughs> it's very likely. <laughs> um, wasn't there something with Eddie Lampert earlier in the year 
um, where his role kind of changed. So he was able to possibly buy these assets back under a different company name. Is that, do I remember that right? Well, he's converted all of his operating partnership units to class A shares, and I believe he's no longer on the board. So that gives him a lot more flexibility. Just because I've read some things floating around on Twitter that um, they suspect this is just Eddie Lampert maybe taking these assets somewhere else, which doesn't seem unlikely at this point. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, he's, yeah, don't know. Conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. We, we can uh, we can probably return to this um, probably next week if, if, if it, if that sounds good, um, or maybe even at the back end of the show. But uh, does, did anyone have SRG as their best idea? Maybe that's where we could start, just by chance. I was tempted to change to it just because of the news, but <laughs> I'll hold off. <laughs> if, if we get any more questions, maybe we, maybe we cover it at the end. Sure, sounds good. Well, Tom, what was your best idea for, for, for today's show? Yeah, I'll go first because I was going to be super boring and um, and just basically <laughs> basically pitch Thor again. Um, I guess we've, we did a dedicated episode on Thor and, or on RV stocks in general, which is basically Thor and Winnebago. Um, so I won't ramble on about it too much other than to say, uh, Thor has had an investor day since, um, we had that episode. So, uh, they, for a while there had some, yeah, no one cares about Thor, Jason. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to talk about it anyway. So, so people can, I don't know, give us a thumbs down. We don't, we don't even have a dislike count anymore. So just give us a thumbs down if you don't yeah, like it. It's invisible. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not real. Um, yeah. So, so they had some 2025 goals that they published in 2019. Um, that was 14 billion in sales, a 16% gross margin and, 3 billion in cumulative cash from operations. Um, they've basically met all of those goals already in 2022. So they met the 14 billion revenue target. They've already done 16.1 billion, 16% gross margin target. They've already done 17%. And uh, although they're only about halfway through the period of time to do that cumulative cash from operations, they're over halfway to that target. So they've essentially ditched those goals and come out with some new ones. And I guess the the key takeaway really is they expect to earn about 20. So these, sorry, I should say these now take us forward to 2027 as the new set of targets. And they expect to earn $27 a share. That That's kind of the big number that they, that they came out with. So if you kind of look at historic multiples on that, and they can pull off that $27 target, which will be a combination of a little bit of growth, but also quite a significant amount of buybacks. Um, yeah, looks pretty interesting here. So that's my best idea. Sweet. Thor, what a name. Makes me want to buy it. <laughs> Just the name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing Nothing about what Tom said. Uh, how, how, big, uh, how big is the position in your portfolio, Tom? Like what percentage? Uh, that's changed a lot after last night's activity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> with, sure. With Serit, with Seritage. Um it was my biggest position. I think Seritage is basically first equal with it now. Um, so good problem. I don't know the percentages off the top of my head, but it's it's at the top of the you know top of the pile. Top two. Yeah. 
would you be looking to add more then if it's your best idea or, or yeah i so i, I bought more probably I bought more probably two months ago, something like that. Actually, before the investor day, um, it's at uh, it's at something like one point. So the earnings are very volatile. I, I tend to look at um, price to book as sort of a, a a better sort of initial kind of metric um, for valuation. It's trading at something like one point three times book at the moment. Um, if you contrast that with like I think five-year average return on equity and much longer-term average is about the same number as like high teens, like 18%, something like that. So if you combine the 18% with a slight premium to book, that implies some pretty good numbers. Um, And that multiple of book value is getting, I think, I did have the chart here before. I mean, it absolutely bottomed out in 2020, just a little below one times book. Um, The average since like 2000 2006 is about 2.6 times books 2.6 times books so about kind of double where it sits currently so yeah uh, to answer your question i have added a little bit and it's first on the list to add more um potentially yeah i actually i actually ran seritage through my checklist yesterday because um i kind of got excited by some cash actually coming <laughs> yeah. up from that thing um uh, and I, I think the answer is is still yes, that Thor slightly nudges ahead. Are you worried at all with uh, potential recession or just spending coming down, interest rates going up, that being more relevant for something that's financed often, like like, like these larger purchases? So how yeah, do you weigh uh, that risk? Yeah, all of those things are short-term headwinds. Um the RV sector tends to kind of lead like the general economy in terms of going into a downturn earlier than the general economy, but also coming out the other side a little bit earlier than the general economy. So it's a risk in the short term. Um, I think the long-term prospects for people getting outside and using RVs is still very good. Um, And I think the current valuation kind of offsets a lot of that risk really. So. Did they announce? Uh, didn't they announce buybacks? Did I forget? Did you say that already? <laughs> uh, yeah, I said there's going to be some some share repurchases yeah. in that earnings per share growth. But yeah, they they recently bumped the share repurchases to uh, an authorization of six hundred million, I believe. Uh, I haven't got the exact market cap in front of I me. Can you get it right here? Market cap's about four and a half billion. Sure. So mm-hmm. it's cap. getting you know, above 10% at current prices. That That's a multi-year buyback program. That's over, I think, two or three years, but um, still significant. Sure. Any thoughts on Thor from the others? Well, I noticed Jason had a, a question about, uh, you know, 10-bagger. Tom, do you see a path to a, a 10X, a compound 26 with Thor over the next decade? Um, uh, I think it's unlikely I think it I'm yeah I don't want to like sound like a salesman here but I have (laughs) a reasonable amount of confidence that strong double digit returns are fairly probable is the word Mm -hmm. I would use Um, whether it's a 
it's not going to be something that like triples in a year or is a 10 bagger in five years or anything like that. But um, I'm very comfortable having it as a large chunk of the portfolio. It's very well managed. The They produce a lot of cash flow, even in downturns. Um, they've been profitable for 40 years straight, like actually over mm. 40 years straight, which is pretty impressive for such a cyclical business. And each downturn that they have gone through, they've been more profitable than the previous downturn. So it's it's just something that, that gives me a lot of comfort and mm-hmm. I think will produce a reasonable rate of return. So I don't know, if it gets absolutely slaughtered in the next two or three years and they retire some ridiculous amount of the shares, then maybe it's a 10x, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not banking on that. And Tom, when would you sell it? Um, I think the only time I would sell it if it got just egregiously expensive and i i don't really have an exact number for that um i mean i i was still hanging on to it when it got as high as like 150 dollars a share a year or so ago and it's been as low as like 70 or 65 or something since that time uh, and i remember the number that felt kind of egregious in my head at that point was around 250 dollars a share um yeah, depending on how they kind of execute with their future targets, that that number will probably grow over time. Um, but yeah, I think it would be valuation, unless something really changed with the business, um, which I struggle to even think of exactly what what that might be. Personally, um, maybe maybe some sort of management change or you know, the founder dies and they make some hugely leveraged massive acquisition I don't like or something like that. That That's the only kind of stuff that I can really think of. Well, the debt has grown in recent years, uh, funding those acquisitions, right? So it's like they're at $2 billion or so in long-term debt. Yeah, uh, so so in their investor day, they, they so most of that debt's from the Ehrenheimer Group acquisition in 2018, mm-hmm. 2019. Um which basically, like they acquired basically a third of the market share in Europe from that one acquisition. It was, it was pretty big for them to swallow. Sure. So it required some debt. Um, they actually said in the investor day they have zero major acquisitions that they even are considering really over mm-hmm. the next three years. So I expect that debt to come down pretty significantly over time. They've, they've always been pretty debt averse. Um, so I, I'd expect that to come down. Tom, if SRG was to get a deal, like say in the next two months, would you add to Thor? I mean, the position gets closed out. Do you add that cash back to Thor or to something else? Ah, oh, so right. So if if Seritage gets bought out, and yeah. I know right today, um, if you got bought out today, like <laughs> in the next two months or so, yeah. like would you add um, at the levels or make it a bigger portion of your portfolio? Yeah, I would add. I would probably add to it. I don't know that I would swing for the fences with it. Um, if it got, to, you know, if it got cut in half from here, it would be much larger <laughs> than it probably is right now. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy to to add to it here. Um, I don't know that I'd go. I'd go too crazy though. Any other thoughts on Thor? I think it's a boring base hit that no one really likes to hear about, but um, <laughs> that's what yeah, I've got. We talk about this quite frequently here. Yeah. Well, 
so far they've been swing and misses, but they've been boring. <laughs> you should yeah. get an RB and do like the punch card. Except yeah. for KPG. <laughs> yeah. I respect boring, Tom. Go boring. Nice. The name's not that boring. I, li- I do like the name. <laughs> it's, um, As the Brad is pretty to. boring. Yeah, the branding is... <laughs> Would anyone like to uh, step up? Well, I just want to shout out a comment. James asked about Daily Journal. Curious if any of you have taken a look at Daily Journal at current prices. It's It's gone down quite a bit. I have not looked. The 13 is, is out, right? Yeah, yeah, someone messaged Charlie, me to say. Oh, shoot. Is, no it, is it already out? No changes. No changes. Yeah. Okay. How yeah, funny would it be if you like if he doubled Barber again? <laughs> <laughs> just toying with people. <laughs> right. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'd have to redo the maths on, I guess, how much of a premium to the stock portfolio you're paying. I, mm-hmm. I don't know where that would sit at the moment. Cool. I believe BYD's held up pretty well, though, um, which is, as I understand it, a pretty big chunk of their um, their portfolio still. I thought they sold BYD. No? I don't know. I, I, I don't even know if it's disclosed, honestly. Yeah, I thought that was a rumor. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought they'd sold some. That was like the rumor I've heard. I'm not sure if they sold the whole thing, but... Charlie won't tell us unless I've missed it in a filing or something. Yeah, they're very happy to keep it secret and not tell do anyone you, what they're doing. Do you guys remember, how did Peterson find out that it was in the portfolio? Uh, he, well, Munger has said in annual meetings that, I you know, see. he said something like Daily Journal owns a little bit of BYD, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and when I looked at it to, probably over two years ago at this point, um, I... I found a couple of write-ups where I think people had even used bits of software and like sort of looked at um, things that Daily Journal had said. So in an annual report, it would say something like, we purchased one foreign security this year or this quarter uh-huh. or whatever. And then they would compare that, um, the value of their portfolio on the balance sheet against like sort of the commentary they were adding and then just stock price movements. And they kind of <laughs> narrowed it down to a basket of stuff. And gotcha. uh, I think BYD was in that in that basket. Um, triangulation. Huh? Yes, and I I remember reading something and being pretty blown away at like how much effort this person had gone to, to <laughs> try to figure it out. Yeah. True scuttlebutt. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cool. Jack, do you want to go with your best idea? Sure. Wait, there's there's speculation that it's sleep number. There is, and that, that's good. I saw that from Matt, and that 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 is uh that is good speculation. Um, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little tired, you know, guys. So uh, it's an appropriate pick, I must say. Um, today was a long day because I, I closed on the I closed on the house remotely, and uh, it was uh it was way too much of a process today. The the, the closer, so we signed yesterday, and that apparently was they they sent us kind of incorrectly dated documents, but we forward dated our signatures and they were like, Oh yeah, I don't know about that. So they made us initial <laughs> this. They, they had us initial the scans they sent back to us, which was so stupid because it's a scan. Yeah. Like, like it's not even an original anymore. Yeah. You need us to initial the scan. It was just a huge waste of time. But anyways, we closed. Uh, so did you tell them you're a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Listen uh, to him, Sonny. My lender knew that. It was, it, was, it was the lender holding it up. I've worked I've worked with them before, but the closer they had on this file was whatever. <laughs> but but we, we, we made it. We made it through, which is all that matters. Um, so your best idea is to buy in Texas. Is that what you're telling yeah, us? Yeah, we are, we are homeowners in Houston now. Uh, in the wow. re- and it just dropped like $5,500 for, for a deposit on Windows. So the, the rehab is starting. Um and it's going to be expensive, but uh, uh, that, that, that's going to tie up a lot of cash for the for the next oh I don't know how many months, but for quite some time. Um, but it'll be good. We'll have a nice house in Houston. <laughs> um, Jack, would you say w- would you expect your returns to be better from this real estate investment or from uh, state income tax savings? Uh, probably from the the tax savings because I, I don't think this one's. I mean, if of course if the market runs away and. We have huge appreciation from here, which, you know, it could always happen, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not counting on that. Um, but I'm assuming it's going to be flat or even down a little bit for a while. In that case, definitely the 15 grand or so will probably save per year on taxes. will make it well worth it. Um, nice. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alexander's comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, man. It's just my, I, 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 got up, <laughs> I, I get up early <laughs> and it's late. <laughs> That's all it is. This is the latest I say up uh, in the week, and it throws me off for a few days. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's anyway. good though. We're we're getting medical advice here in the chat. Yeah, so. I enjoy it. I it's I, I do it because I enjoy it. So, <laughs> um, not because maybe not. It's probably not that good for me, but whatever. <laughs> it's worth it. Um. Anyways, best idea: sleep number. Moving moving from the house. Um. Take a look, see here. Is that your uh, best idea? Yeah, I, w- I was flip. I'll give an honorable mention to Meta um, because everyone knows about it. <laughs> and uh, those, basically, those are two stocks I've been buying with the very limited cash I've left over, um, given, given the real estate deal. Uh, but Sleep Number and, and, and Facebook slash Meta have been what I've been buying with what's left over. And I put a tiny, tiny bit in, in Turtle Beach, which has just been a train wreck over the last few months. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. There's been a lot of weird board drama, and we'll, we'll see what happens if they get acquired or something like that. They're actively shopping themselves, I guess. But without, without getting too much into that, uh, sleep number here. Uh, they're, they sell mattresses, <laughs> very high-tech mattresses, uh, very high-tech in quotes. Um and they're a ca- they've been a cash cow for quite some years, though their cash flows have been coming down as people are getting concerned about a recession. These are kind of high end mattresses, and they've had a ton of supply chain issues. So they have kind of, kind of like Thor; they have a pretty huge order backlog. Um, but nevertheless, they've been throwing off some good cash flow. Last twelve months, but we're looking at about hundred hundred forty ish grand or hundred forty million in ca- free cash flow. Versus a record year in 2022 with about uh, 240. Um, we'll What's the it. market cap? Uh, they're right now they're at 750 million in market cap. So wow. their free cash flow yield is pretty awesome right now. But a lot of people are expecting that free cash flow to to fall, um, and kind of to that point. Um, so if you kind of put the 140 over 750 million, right now they're at almost a 20% free cash flow yield, which is very high by today's standards. Um, yeah. But let's say it drops down to, I don't know, 100 million. Now you're looking at more like a 13% cash flow yield, which is still pretty good in my opinion. Um, but if it, let's say it drops, we'll take a look at some of their uh, 
past years to get a good idea yeah. of, uh, Jack, how it seems to be go. it seems to be roughly seems to be roughly half that yield on an enterprise value basis. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. I've got yes. about the market cap in debt. Yeah, because they have quite a few capitalized leases because um, they have a lot of stores, which is a little bit unusual. <laughs> um, uh, whatever mattress companies just have an infatuation with having a ton of locations. I don't know why uh, they're not, they're not alone. Um, but it's, it's worked, I guess, I guess because people want to come try out a mattress before they buy it. Um, kind of like clothes in that way, I guess. Um, it's one of those rare products that people don't like to buy online. Right, right. Especially might, the higher end range of mattresses. You might say the same thing about cars, <laughs> Carvana, um, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, Jason, it's, that. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of something like that, but uh, I wanted to take a quick look at kind of what happened during the last sort of collapse. In yeah, it looks like they about broke even. Is that right? Yeah, they had a couple of years of losses there. Um, I don't know why the this isn't... There we go. So they had a couple significant years, like in 09, the trough. Uh, they lost, what, $30 million. Um, But then they recovered from there, and they've grown cash flows, as you can see, quite consistently since then with some bumps. Um, and they're kind of getting another one of those bumps coming down now, too, with consumer spending starting to, to fall a bit and also with um, the supply chain issues I mentioned. So Because they're, they're, they're actually affected pretty heavily by the chip shortage because basically all of their beds have semiconductors in them. Um, which is it's not something you'd really expect. Uh, wow, I did not expect that. That is yeah, it, it's it's just weird to like because they're not your basic. They're really they're, they're the high end te technologically advanced mattresses. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people buy it, and uh, I was looking at the size of the um, U.S. mattress market. So they have about um, I forget. I'm gonna make sure I say it correctly. They have about how much in sales? Sorry, I'm in the big year view. Um, so right now they're at about two billion dollars in, in in last twelve months for revenue, um, and the total mattress mar market is uh, about sixteen to seventeen billion dollars uh, per year in revenue. Um, so they got a pretty significant share there. And the only reason I bring that up is, is it's not as though they're completely capped. They're not at like 15 billion of 16 billion in, in total addressable market. So there's still some share to be had. Granted, it is kind of like a more premier product. So they're never, I don't think they're ever going to get like, you know, the majority share or anything crazy like that. Um, Cause they do kind of go for that more niche um, kind of high end mattress sort of product. Uh, so that's, that's kind of it. Um, just are they, a lot of are they the are they the winner in the high end market? Uh, yeah, pretty much. They, I mean, they've had some uh, some of the, like the big bigger competition would be some of these like shipped directly to you mattress companies that have popped right. up over the last few years. Um, though they've had some troubles recently, uh, and that's been kind of a signal that hey, spending is probably going to decline for all mattresses in general. So. Um, but they do seem to differentiate themselves with kind of that technologically advanced mattress. I love saying that. <laughs> uh, um, I wonder how many people there. use that. Like how many people are adjusting their beds up and down? I had one at a hotel and it was actually kind of, it was pretty nice. And I think for the, for the new, the new house we're we're, in, we're going to be in the market for a new mattress. And if, if they have them in stock, I'm definitely going to be looking for, for a sleep number uh, to, as a good share, as a good shareholder would. <laughs> um, so that's right. Uh, I'll report back if and when we do that. Although you may not be a good value investor anymore, which is kind of counterintuitive. If you're <laughs> yeah, right. 
Right. Um, I saw a comment that, that Jason was uh, saying he was going to sell his, he's selling a car to, to Carvana. Right. I wanted to say he's going to help them lose money but <laughs> 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 on a per unit basis. So I, I, I can, I can help build the order backlog for a, a sleep number <laughs> and more stress to the supply chain. Shots Which fired. You can't even defend himself. I'm sorry, Jason. Uh, I, I plan on buying a car from Carvana. Maybe I'll buy yours. <laughs> I don't actually plan on for sure buying it from them, but I will be buying a car and I'll definitely take a look. Jack, What's do you the see interest Who, what? Oh. Okay, Karam. I'm good. I was just asking what their interest coverage is like compared to that debt. What's their cash flows hmm. look like compared to the interest they actually pay? Um, and then a second question about buybacks after that too. Sure. Here's their uh, income statement. About $7 million in interest over the last 12 months, so not very much at all. Because um, I think a lot of their debt payment is technically their, their leases. Um, yeah, Jack. Yep. Jack, I mean, I've actually just pulled up their balance sheet. That's a really interesting point. Like the, uh, I'm seeing, oh. I'm seeing right. second April 2022 as um, 413 million in borrowings, which is actually quite minor relative to all their other liabilities. Well, a lot of it uh, has actually been going to uh, to buybacks over the years because they, they that's one thing I, I should mention. They don't have a ton of cash. They have barely any at all. So, but they have a good cash flow. So, you know, but if that, that can obviously go away. So there's some there's some risk there for sure. Um, and they've been funneling a lot of that into <laughs> buying back shares like mad. Um, as you can see graphically, just over the last few years, just crazy share buybacks, um, <laughs> almost having the number of shares. Um, and and that's one thing they've been doing for quite some time and they love doing it and they take out debt to do it sometimes, which is obviously not that kind of financial engineering move isn't always is definitely not sustainable. So that's definitely a risk. Um, and yeah, I, I'm th- thank you for taking me to the balance sheet. Cause I didn't mean to mention that. Um, yeah. The, um, this is interesting. So like, this is one of the things I, I sometimes deal with um, investing across a few different countries. So, Again, looking at this balance sheet, 2nd of April 2022, they've got operating lease liabilities of $338.5 million, um, which is a very different liability to long-term debt. And yep. in New Zealand, we actually didn't have uh, lease liabilities on the balance sheet at all until about two or three years ago. There was an accounting rule change to where hmm. it actually landed on the balance sheet. And I think a lot of people miss these nuances going like country to country and just assuming all accounting standards are the same. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's interesting because that will inflate the enterprise value probably right. more than you would actually want to. Like, could right. something get adjustable? It, like, it, it's definitely worth noting for sure because it's a liability. They have to pay it, um, sort of. <laughs> um, it's a lot easier to break a lease than probably to, to default on debt, but still... Yeah. Um, so I, when I look at something like that, because I also have Footlocker in the portfolio, same sort of deal has a ton of leases, but not very much other debt, um, relatively speaking. So I like to kind of look at both valuations, capitalizing the leases as though they're long-term debt, and then also not kind of seeing how, just kind of getting a good sort of feel for the weight that that really has. Um, but but yeah, it's not it's not the same as uh, your high interest debt to Warren Buffett or something. It's... it's um, it's a lease to a landlord and you're getting, and you're not paying interest on that necessarily. 
but it's, it's a liability nonetheless. That's worth noting. Yeah. And there's actually uh, the number I said is actually a little small. There's another, so I said three thirty-eight and a half million. That's actually just like the non-current section. So after one year, but there's mm-hmm. an additional 74 million of current operating lease liabilities. So right. that's inflating the EV a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a friend here asked why sleep number over footlocker. Uh, I mean, not a particular reason other than that. I feel like I'm I have, just for me personally, I I'm, I think I'm plenty allocated to footlocker. It's kind of more of a, I see it as much more of a special, special situation than say a sleep number sleep number. I see much more as a longer term hold foot footlockers seems like a declining. Uh, it is a declining business at the moment, but long-term I th- think it, it's probably a declining business. If it's not, then wonderful. But if if the general consensus is true that the, that they're going to be slowly whittling away, you're you're kind of hoping for the the buyback machine to kick in and get you some sort of return, and they throw off the cash flow that they are bringing, returning that to shareholders via dividends and and buybacks, and that could easily not work. But uh, I don't want to be too over allocated to that because there's some serious risks, um, and I mean there's serious risks with with sleep numbers cash flow falling too. But uh, that's probably the main reason why. Jack, do you see them as a target for an acquisition? Or I don't think so. Uh, I haven't seen any news suggesting suggesting that they'd be doing that. Uh, so no. I wonder who would. But there's no competitor who'd want to yeah, like a mattress firm sort of thing. But I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. They're not enormous, but. Uh, maybe a larger uh, retailer could, could jump in or something. Can you get so, a shareholder discount on one of those things, Jack? Or not? That'd be wonderful. I haven't looked, but I, <laughs> that'd be that'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, I own this place. <laughs> Come in to the store. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember um, JJ Buckner a couple of years ago made a video about getting discounted insurance from Geico because he's a Berkshire shareholder. Apparently, that's a thing. I should check. Uh, M1 Finance has their owner's reward card uh, where, where you can get like up to 10% back on uh, 10% cash back on some. Uh, the way the card works is if you own a number of stocks, if you own that company's stock, you'll get like way higher cash back than a normal credit card. So it's kind of a cool, weird, hmm. like niche finance card. Um, I doubt sleep numbers on it, but I, I should check <laughs> if I should take that out and get a bonus. Um, but. That would be the only thing I could think of that would be tied to like owning stock. So it's like lose money on the stock and then get it back to the discount. Like, <laughs> that <how it> works. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's sleep number. It's an idea. I make no guarantees. <laughs> well, before we go on, do you guys have a take? I saw one of the comments on what Twitter is going to do about Musk pulling out. I don't think Twitter knows what they're going to do about Musk. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter hasn't known what to do for years. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We can speculate though, like what we think. You're yeah. drawing your suspicion that he was just doing it to sell some Tesla shares. Seems. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, it, it he's, got, he's got a lot of uh, payments to make, you know, like child support. So, so, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
two more children have been revealed <laughs> as we saw he has i think mm. he now has well he has nine known children with three, <laughs> no, three women so we'll see if there are any others that come out of the woodwork so i mean he, he's sta- he's standing behind what he says about yeah. you know <laughs> needing to repopulate it's true his keep that birth rate high he will single-handedly <laughs> Lower the age. He's building that Mars colony. It's just yeah. getting them ready. The, the A2 Milk Company thanks him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, what? Speaking of speaking of milk, what happened to uh, that formula company in Australia? Did oh they, yeah, they, we, they popped, we but... Bubs or something? What was it? Yeah, was it we called? can have a look. I, I think it's up fifty or sixty percent or something since um, since Joe put his tweet out. What, what is it called again? What's the ticker? Uh, bub, A-X is Tell me about this tweet. I, I, I think I missed that. Uh, yeah, so there's a oh, you know, yeah, there's, yeah. There's yeah. infant formula yeah. shortage in the States. And, um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Look at the stock graph. It's wild. Uh, so what, that would have been like a couple months ago, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, here Seems you go. Like it. Come on. Uh, so... Yeah, when that'll it, be it. Was it announced on this day, probably, 26th? Seems likely. Yeah, it jumped 50% a day, and it's it's only up 23% since. Interesting. There's a bit of a, a, bit of a sell-off. Mm. Yeah, I've been vague, like sort of roughly following it. I think they're doing some sort of capital raise to fill these big orders they're suddenly getting, so I'm not sure how that that impacts the whole equation. Yeah, something like that, I guess, could break a business as well, too, couldn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of lot of potential scale all of a sudden coming in. Right. I think. I, I don't know it that well. Yeah. It's just a funny case. Uh, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, I'm happy to go yeah, if you want. Yeah, they it, think it, you're it, plotting it, something in the comments. Yeah, I read that. I don't know what that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the angle, the revised angle, not the classic <laughs> angle. Um, so I'll just give a quick disclaimer here, since the Australian government no longer like people talking about stocks. So, extra disclaimer for today's idea. Um, and it's a microcap too, so it comes with a lot of risk. It's a UK company, fifty million dollar market cap. And about half the shares are owned by uh, either big shareholders or insiders. So really like 25 million worth of float. Um, the company's Tortilla Mexican Grill, which is essentially a Chipotle, um, Chipotle ripoff in the UK. Um, they're the biggest player in the UK for uh, Mexican restaurant chains, I guess. They have about uh, 25% of the market share. I'll have to double check that as I'm reading through some of these notes, but um, they have 70 locations. So that's actually a relatively small amount compared to uh, anywhere else. It's like 1% of the total kind of food market or fast food market in the UK. That this um, one right here, Frank? That's the one, yeah. So they have about 1% Mexican food makes up that total food market, kind of casual fast food market. In the US, that's the difference is about 10%. So there's a lot of growing room, assuming that uh, the UK adopt Mexican food as much. Obviously, being further away from Latin America, that's unlikely to be as big of a market share. But um, in Australia, for example, it is much bigger than in the UK. They're kind of the slowest adopters for Mexican food in general. Super um, 
so a very small company, but still a market leader for Mexican food. They're about four times bigger than the nearest competitor, which um, is Barbarilla. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think that's what it is. Um, Chipotle are in the UK. They have about 12 or so restaurants compared to 70 again for Tatia. So hmm. um, market leaders, which is the interesting thing about it. They're kind of the first movers, which gives them a bit of a competitive advantage. Um, some of the kind of tailwinds kind of helping the business along. Firstly is the convenience. Um, just the format it is similar to Chipotle again, which doesn't really exist for other formats in the UK. So that's one appeal. Um, all the dishes are customized, customizable. So um, it's not like a typical fast food where you have your limited options. Um, and there's only 40 ingredients that they use to make up all of those options. So 14. Um, it makes 40, sorry. 40, okay. Which makes it pretty easy for them to manage. And it's all kind of come from a centralized production unit. So there's one big unit they have where all of their ingredients are kind of made, put together, and then sent off to the restaurants. So they save a lot of money that way. They don't have to make their – they don't make much in-house. Um, it's a lot of just reheating certain things. Um, so they save on kind of having those extra people in their stores. Um, and with that kind of CPU, that um, centralized production unit, their dishes are about 15 to 20% cheaper than all of their competitors. So they're the largest, they're the cheapest, and they're the first movers. So they're likely, even if for some reason Chipotle fund all of this money to kind of take some of the market share, they still relatively should end up with a decent size share of that market that is growing pretty quickly. Um, again, having that CDU lets them have more quality and freshness of their foods. There's no difference between stores. Whether you get it on one end of the UK or the other, it should realistically taste the same being the same ingredients. Um, and the market's growing much faster than other food service companies in the UK. The industry's kind of grown at about 2 to 3%, whereas Latin American cuisine is grown at about 65 to 7%. So it is growing quicker and should take up a larger market share overall for the food market. Um, I guess valuation is the next thing I can touch on. If you're looking at cash flow multiples, I guess, is the best way to look at it for this type of company. Um, most kind of Mexican food chains trade at about 20 times cash flow or even most fast food companies in the UK trade about 20 times, probably all a little bit lower with the current state of the market. Uh, maybe about 15 times would be just a guess considering what's happened. They're trading closer to about five times cash flow, so significantly cheaper. They have just listed, and they listed at a time where there was the COVID impact, first of all. Now there's these inflation concerns and everything else, so um, the listing timing wasn't didn't work out well for them, and they've kind of just steadily declined since being listed. Um, but they kind of took advantage of that COVID period and bought 10 new or opened 10 new restaurants, and that's really simply how they grow is their unit economics are pretty simple. They just keep on opening new stores. Um, again, 10 is their goal this year and probably around five each year after that is about what I would expect. Um, and each of those stores they open has about a 40% return on invested capital, takes about 3.5 years to pay back their original costs going in. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. That's the idea in a nutshell. Is is Chipotle in the UK? 
Yeah, twelve, roughly twelve restaurants compared to seventy-four to ten. Yeah, you did say that. That's that's kind of surprise. I'm very surprised to see a company that just listed that's at like a twenty percent free cash flow yield. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so they've been around for a while. Um, yeah, the only reason they're significantly cheap is I think the market environment, um, just multiple kind of headwinds with the COVID and now yeah. inflation and employment costs going up. So, yeah, it's We're- probably rightfully cheap for now, but in the long term, I don't think that's a problem. Um, again, with Chipotle in the UK, they have actually been, they haven't been profitable. Um, they have negative margins compared to Tortilla that is profitable. Um, they've kind of messed up with some of their real estate um, and kind of locations have been poor for Chipotle, so they haven't just had the traction, which being outsiders and not familiar with the market, I think that's it's a mistake they can fix moving forward, I guess, but that's yeah. how it's kind of played out so far, whereas um, Tortilla hasn't had that problem. And it'll get increasingly uphill for Chipotle as if Tortilla keeps taking more. So interesting. Uh, first, I have to... Uh, say thank you to Nishant for the generous uh, super chat. Um, but where did you find this? Um, where did you find this idea? This is this is niche, and I like it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, it's actually just from Value Investors Club was where I originally saw it. Um, and I actually got in contact with the author, luckily. Um, I put out a tweet about the company maybe two months ago now, and he actually reached out to me and answered a lot of questions. So... Hmm. Um, I won't disclose who it is because I'm not sure if he wants that. Um, he's actually one of the largest shareholders or the firm he works for is one of the largest shareholders in the company. Um, but, yeah, he's answered a lot of questions about the unit economics and things for me, so that's been pretty helpful. My my inner, my very small um, inner Bill Ackman is uh, is excited at a, at a restaurant play. <laughs> <laughs> you have a mini Ackman inside you? Yeah, yeah just a small, just a tiny. <laughs> Get that out of there. Well, we'll commit not quite securities fraud soon. <laughs> There's a question from Fred just there. Um, can they self-fund expansion? Um, yeah, they're completely self-funded through their free cash flow. Um, sometimes the financials don't look so great because it kind of takes that few years to pay back and they're opening up stores pretty that, quickly relative to their size. So that, that seems like really good yield for a restaurant, a fast food restaurant, especially. Um to, to have a yeah. 40% return. So it's um, about 400,000. Well, they're cheap to kind of open. There's not much CapEx to go into them because there's not much happening in the stores. They don't have a lot of those kind of expensive um, appliances, I guess, you need in some restaurants. Sure. Yeah, I guess um, so. And they're relatively small. I don't know exactly what a Chipotle looks like, but I compare it to Zimbreros here in Australia, which um, maybe a couple of people listening have seen. They're our kind of Chipotle ripoff, so that's what I compare it to here at least. And there's not much capex that goes into them. It's about four hundred thousand dollars to open a store. Yeah. Um. And again, that's paid back in three point five years. So. I see. So do they have Frank- the same model as Chipotle, where like they don't franchise it, they open the stores, or? Um, they have some franchises outside of the UK, um, in the Middle East. I think ten of their seventy are outside hmm. of the UK. And there's one or two that are franchised, I think, in the UK, but the majority of it is company-owned, very similar to Chipotle's. I like that. Frank, do you have their um, just what their total revenue was last year, just to get a feel for the scale? 
Yeah, I, I have it right uh, here. About 48, 50, roughly. Million? Yeah. Okay. For last year? I think so. You'd have to check that. I've got la- last 12 months, 65 million. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. This is according to ticker. Unless ticker's yeah. wrong. Oh, that, that's yeah, probably just, pounds. Just... It's probably pounds. I'm in dollars. They're about one time sales, though, if that's the if that helps. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to get a feel for scale. I mean, um, yeah, it's interesting. I think we had a comment uh, back a little bit that maybe Chipotle just buys them. That that could be an interesting way for Chipotle to get into the market. Mm. Um, I guess it's not impossible. I think it would be unlikely with the large yeah. shareholders, both insiders and um, the funds that are involved, but it's not impossible, I guess. And yeah. I feel like Chipotle, yeah. the culture is very different. I mean, just from what it looks like. It doesn't seem like they would match as well. Yeah, you'd have to retool everything, anyways, and that'd be pretty yeah. expensive. If you're, it's not like you, unless they would let it independently operate as its own brand, which they could do. But well, Chipotle in the UK fund their growth through debt from the parent company, mm-hmm. um, so they really have an endless pool, I guess, in that sense, considering uh, yeah. the size that they are yeah. in the UK. Um, so they they probably will be the second biggest, or if not the biggest player eventually in the UK. But um, Tortilla doesn't have to be the dominant market player to be kind of a good business moving forward. Right. And um, ag- again, comparing to Australia, just for I guess size, and I, I think moving away from the US kind of helps because um, the adoption in the US is obviously going to be higher than anywhere else in the world, being closer to Latin America. Um. Zimbreros, which is a store very similar to Tati in Australia, have about 150 stores and we have about half their population. So even if our adoption rate is similar, they should get around that amount of stores or double that amount of stores. And we have about three major players. Um, Guzman & Gomez is another one here that has about 130 stores. And then mm. there is another one that have about 60 or so stores. So it is somewhat consolidated between the three um, and I expect similar to happen in the UK probably. Uh, Frank, how quickly is store count growing compared to Chipotle? I, I have a sense Chipotle got in much more recently in the UK market. What, what's the growth comparison? Would I, do you have a sense for that? I don't know how quickly Chipotle is growing, but Tatia opened up 10 or aiming to open up 10 this year, which is about okay. the total to what they has anyway. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that I assume that Chipotle will start to turn those out much quicker moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they like the market, right. If, if people are uh, Chipotle, I think is probably charging a bit more. I would estimate. It sounds like this is more of a discount burrito taco place. Yeah, very similar product. Um, Tati has higher ratings than every other competitor on the quality of their food, and they're 20% cheaper. So yeah, that's another advantage they have at the moment. Nice. Cool. Matt, Matt says Frank rattles off stats like a baseball commentator. He knows <laughs> this stuff. I would tend to agree. They're written for, down for not, in front of me. You give me the so. number of franchises right away. Like, kind of <laughs> it helps that they're yeah. on my computer screen right here. Yeah. That, whole, that whole thing <laughs> was scripted. How, how do you think the commentators do it? They have it on their screen. They, they throw them out. <laughs> well Teleprompter. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Frank. Brad? 
Yeah. Um, so this is one, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's my best idea. It's the, the idea I'm most interested in digging into. And, and I think we're going to cover it in a future episode. So I don't, mm. don't want to talk too much about it. Oh, okay. But it is countryside partnerships. And really what got me interested in countryside partnerships was seeing Norbert Liu buy in, I think, last month for the first time. Right. Uh, there's also Jeff Ubin. So not through Value Act, but through kind of his new fund, which is Inclusive Capital. Um, it sounds like they took kind of an activist position in countryside partnerships. And then David Einhorn through Greenlight Capital also invested in this company. So you got the cloner aspect, flashing green, right? They're also doing pretty massive buybacks. They have massive buybacks planned over the next year. They've been doing buybacks. I think something like a third of the shares outstanding they're aiming to um, retire over the next year. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what's getting me interested. There is a little blurb from Greenlight Capital. I think it's from the fall of last year. It's just like a paragraph kind of describing what uh, David Einhorn sees in countryside partnerships. Um, a fund called Laughing Water Capital uh, had a much more extensive write up from last year. He also did um, an interview with Edwin Dorsey on the Sunday Ideas Brunch, where he talked a little bit about countryside as well. So those are a few resources to dig in. There's a Value Investors Club write-up, uh, I think from September of last year, and it's down more than half uh, since then. So assuming you know, the thesis is still intact. Uh, could be could be a very interesting opportunity at current prices. So they're a home builder, developer. Um, yeah, so they're a home builder kind of pivoting from a, an asset heavy model to an asset light model where they're uh, partnering with the government housing authority in the UK um, that owns a lot of land. So it's a JV partnership. Mm. Um, so it's, it's much cheaper for them to develop those properties because they don't have to put up money for the land. Sounds lucrative. Yeah. Whenever, whenever, whenever you can get the government to write checks. Right. So yeah, yeah, we'll, I, we'll, I, yeah, we'll be talking more about it. Tom, do you have any, anything quick to add? Yeah. I spent probably four or five hours on this, um, <laughs> a couple of weeks back when Norbert Lou first brought into it. Um, I guess, yeah, part of it is part of it is this kind of capital light home building business. Part of it is buybacks um, and part of it's like a low valuation, if you believe the stuff I just said. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't exactly know what their old business was specifically, but uh, the the basic story is they had sort of a low return on investor capital business. They now have this more capital light, higher return on investor capital business where they have financial partners come in and they're generating something like 40% 40 returns on invested capital with these projects, um, mm. which is more or less in line with what the likes of NVR are, are doing in the US. Um, so basically they're, they're sort of in the process of selling off this other business and that's kind of what's funding the buybacks. So um, when I looked at it a couple of weeks ago, they still had about 350 million 
uh, pounds left in their buyback program, which again, if a couple of weeks back was equivalent to about 27% of the shares outstanding. So um, it's pretty monster buyback. And of course What's we know Norbert Lou is. Um, good question. I have that written down somewhere, I think. Uh, through to 2023. I don't know when exactly wow. in 2023. And of course, Norbert Lou is like Mr. NVR, right? He, he knows this industry right. very well. So so I guess you've got a 20%, roughly 25% buyback yield over the next 12 months alone. Yeah. Yeah. If it and, and, cheap. Yeah. And long term, uh, sort of the margin targets they put out and the return on investor capital targets they put out, um, they want to have a long run return on, well, they use return on capital employed of about 40%, which, like I say, is kind of in line with NVR. Um, they're targeting a 13% operating margin, and I've got this written down in quotes, uh, sustainable double-digit growth at target return. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I guarantee. So, whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> Just looking at the ownership, and tick is not always accurate here, but um, a lot of hedge funds own large portions of the shares. Yeah, what that, the, yeah. I took a quick What does management own? Does anyone... Have numbers for that? Not not sure, but I, I can tell you uh, there's a guy called Pete Lee from Browning West, which I think is at the top of the list. Yeah, there. they own 15%. Um, yeah, so he's now on the board. Uh, they are a long-term uh, kind of value vest- investing activist fund. Um, I think Punch Card, are they on the list there? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're on 3%. 3%. Yeah, there. Uh, three, uh, is that right? What's that column that says 9%? That is, is that just like a change? Oh, percentage percentage portfolio. Portfolio. Okay, I've been waiting in their yeah. known portfolio. Gotcha. Okay. And there's another company called David Capital. Are they in the list there? Somewhere? Yeah, they're higher up. Yeah. Yeah, 6%. Down 6%. Yeah, so David Capital. Yeah, so David Capital is another activist investing firm. I actually met um, – <laughs> Oh, I'm completely blanking on the guy's name, but I actually met the guy in Omaha at the Value After Hours meetup from David Capital that runs that portfolio. I know um, him. I, and this, I'm tough. This dude, I, I've, <laughs> I've never seen someone, I seriously have never seen someone so energized talking about a particular stock than this guy in Omaha uh, <laughs> talking about talking about countryside partnerships. So, um, yeah, there you go. Tom, um, and you said Matt Sweeney owned too, Brad, is that right? Yeah, it's a significant position for for Laughing Water Capital. I'll have to look up that write up. That makes it more interesting to me. Tom, we have a uh, we have a super chat in your honor, also from Nishant. Once again, thank you. He says thanks, Tom, for the SRG videos. There's a bit. I wonder how many people are looking at those right now, <laughs> given the news. Right? I, I actually filmed one right before the stream, so <laughs> keep an eye out for another. <laughs> and fuel the fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Art of Value had a good question saying, what's the activist angle? Are they the ones pushing these buybacks or how do, is that how they come about maybe? I thought they were more pushing them to ditch kind of the old business model, the asset heavy business model. Okay. Yeah. Is that right, Tom? Well, yeah, both. Yeah. Move, they, they moving wanna... more towards government <laughs> reliance. Yeah, mo- <laughs> I, I think I think most if not all of the activists are American and have seen NVR and want to make a UK version of it <laughs> more or less is, is what they're trying to do here. Yeah. It's interesting because these 
shareholders kind of they make up the majority almost, so they have a lot of power of what's going on. Unusual yeah. that management um, has significant, significant shareholders as well. Well, they're actually on the hunt for a new CEO at the moment. So they had an investor day recently and the chair of the board led a lot of that. They also had a CFO who I think had been in the job like less than three months. Um, so pretty new management um and just one of the other main things i jotted down is they have a 2.6 billion great british pound gross profit pipeline assuming they can hit those um sort of target margins and everything i i don't have it written down how significant that amount of gross profit would be compared to what they've done over the past couple of years but uh i recall that being a reasonably long uh sort of pipeline of existing sites to, to build on. Um, yeah, cool. not sure if someone has the numbers on ticker there, but yeah, I like it, Brad. I've, I'm going to keep digging on Brad, this. Brad, do you know of any write-ups uh, that people could refer to if they want to dig into this? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Laughing Water Capital has... Kind of a full write-up, and then they did an update in, I think, Q1 2022 um, because the stock has pulled back quite a bit this year. Uh, so those are two, and then I would say Value Investors Club has a write-up. On, is that on the website or is that? La- the Laughing Water Capital? Yeah. Um, where did I find that? Yeah, I think you can just go to their website. And, and find that. Yeah, I think all his writing is public. They, they yeah. put like quarterly letters or half yearly letters out. Right. Matt Sweeney on Twitter. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd also look up, um, oh, so it's Adam Patinkin from David Capital is, is the other guy. Um, I think I actually tracked him down on LinkedIn um, <laughs> and, and he posted some some good updates over the last year or two. On um on this one, future podcast um, guest Tom, yeah possibly, um just just one other, just one other figure I jotted down a couple of weeks back, um actually still on that uh, sort of pipeline of um, future future builds that they had um I was kind of working through the maths if if they could hit their thirteen percent operating margin which is like their long-term target on that pipeline it would translate into about 1.9 i assume that's billion 1.9 billion in operating profit which is about 150 percent of the market cap at the time i looked at it so um not sure how long it would take them to work through that pipeline but um current current market cap is about is that in pounds you said uh, I think I assume that's in pounds. I'm just looking at my scribbles. <laughs> it's not, here. I mean, it's not too far off, but yeah, that's about what the current market cap is. Should be about 100 percent now. Okay. Yep. Um, Jack, I just put in a private chat the link to the letter. People are asking for links, so mm. I don't know if you can push that through. But that's the Laughing Water Capital, Matt Sweeney, when they bought the company. So it's the letter that he writes to investors. But under new positions in there, you'll find. Yeah. Countryside links, partnerships. Links don't really work in chat, but I'll throw it in here for anyone on desktop who can copy it easily. Um, and uh, and 
here's what it looks like for. And I also mentioned Matt Sweeney talked about it in his Sunday's ideas brunch with Edwin Dorsey. Nice. I like it. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling up random notes. So this is completely like unrelated to recent points on this company we've been talking about. But um, <laughs> one other thing I did pick up from a conference call is um, the UK is actually going through an increase in corporate tax rate. So um, if anyone's running numbers on this stuff, maybe just factor that in. Apparently they're going from 19% to 25%. So wow. um, the government now owns more of your profits, shareholders. <laughs> which it will then pay to <laughs> it's just like a circle it's just yeah, their partner, their partner. <laughs> uh, yep you won't you won't get all of that back probably <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right that's what i want wanted to mention the art of value uh pointed out laughing water bought a basket of cannabis stocks that's that's one of their bets so i don't think they've broken out what they invested in, but that may be coming soon. Um, just following on with what you said earlier, Tom, about them wanting it to be an NVR in the UK. Um, I just searched NVR in that letter and he mentioned it eight times. So laughing what it also yeah. thinks it's the NVR. Yeah, yeah they, they all do, I think. It's a little concerning, but. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, anchor, right. We move on it's like when to... people try to build their own Berkshire. That's kind of right. like a concerning thing to hear people yeah. say. Final, final best idea from Quran. You t- take us home. No good ideas. He, he, he's dazed. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Literally. Overwhelmed. Nothing. I've Not just pretty much thing. been looking into Berkshire over the past month and a half. Berkshire. So that's it. That's they all they've been doing. Quran's been watching paint dry. Yeah. This this man Pretty is a model. For, yeah, we need more transactions. That's how we make fees. He's, he's been getting married, guys. <laughs> Leave him, give him a break. Yeah, he's, got, he's got time. He's got time. <laughs> now I've just been digging into Chris Bloomstrand's um, oh. uh, letters also since 2015 onwards, wow. where he really gets into Berkshire. Yeah, it's it's that's all I've pretty much been doing. So not really looking at other ideas and such is it more for education uh, or for maybe buying Berkshire buying Berkshire like I'll try building a position and hopefully I want to make it a full position at some point Mm -hmm. it's right there on 1.2 times book yep so that would be like that would be like 80% of the portfolio Quran a full position for you or (laughs) <laughs> probably around 30 30 percent i would be fine with okay. that yeah. nice. like 25 30 percent got a question from james for you quran why do try you to like... pull, pull something out of quran here yeah we got we got you got you got you can't just tease the audience you like that. your brother's discovery what do you it's got not that great. <laughs> it's nothing to look at yeah he's over Did you it. see the stock it's just been going down terrible business just don't look at it yeah <laughs> Just look at the stock price. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, pretty much every single stock we've looked at has been down fifty percent in the last year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, 
Don't don't listen to our advice. Seriously. <laughs> it's not this advice. Is, None not, of this is never advice. never advice. Yeah. What, really... What's your uh... sorry, Jack? No, go ahead. I'm just going to ask around what his favorite Warner Brothers movie is. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> or Discovery, a TV show? I don't know. I I like their I like the I mean they're pretty much all about like the whole nature stuff, right? So. It's always like something to good, something good to have in the background. Yeah. And girl, oh, right? Sorry, that, that, I just googled Warner Brother movies. The, yeah, I did that time. before I asked. Just Ooh, to they don't trend, like they don't have to really that, worry about anything. That, that's, a good, that's a good thesis right there. It's something nice that you put on in the background. <laughs> Some just stop, just leave it. Like it's not worth it. No one dig into it. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible, <laughs> terrible. Shawshank Worked Redemption, idea. that's got to be a cash cow. Oh, man. I wonder if, like, friends will make money even, like, 20 years down the road. Probably yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do they make the Harry Potters? They've, yeah. they've made a ton. It's kind of... They're coming up with, like, a whole new revamp of the Harry Potter sequence. So, hopefully. Yeah, they follow, follow the Disney model, which is just squeeze <clears throat> as much as you possibly can out of your IP. <laughs> just let it take it as far as it possibly can go. New series for every character. <laughs> yeah, we must only have say, like. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Tom. We must only have like sixteen or seventeen years till they do another reboot of the Lion King. Yeah, I'm right. Exactly. That. After, <laughs> but in between, then they'll do they'll do like a spin-off for every side character. <laughs> yeah, of their top twenty box office movies, eight of them are the Harry Potters, and there's about three or four related to Batman. So. Really? Eight? All right, wow. I didn't realize how well that series did. I know it did well, but geez, that's crazy. There's a reason that Netflix is spending so much to develop like content and Discovery is going to coast through. <laughs> so, Matt, you can leave us with the best idea. Kron's biggest investment this week, a haircut. He says, looking good, uh, my man. <laughs> I was going to suggest like leaps on Saratage, but that's, I, I don't think it's a good investment anymore. So That ship has sailed. That ship has sailed. Yeah. You're just so. going to ignore the haircut compliment <laughs> from Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I guess. <laughs> okay, great. That's all I was looking for. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just diving into leaps. <laughs> um, any any final thoughts? I think this is fruitful. Yeah, I got, I got some diverse ideas there. Yeah, sure. You'll uh, sure you'll uh, take a stab in the dark about what's going to happen with Seritage over the next year or two, and then we'll come back and watch it <laughs> in a couple of years. Thirty seconds, 30, thirty second explanation each, or 10, 10 seconds. Um, yeah, I think we're going to get twenty three dollars and eighteen cents in dividends ooh. over the next two point four two years. Two point four two years. Okay, I'll set my. Ooh, clock. Are you factoring? Are you factoring in debt costs, interest costs? Well, yeah, they they factored in everything and said eighteen to twenty. Well, sure. So they also thought they were the going to redevelop everything like a year ago, and plans changed. <laughs> so I'm guessing they didn't expand much on that price range, did they, Tom? Uh, other Did they than break it say, down for us? Oh no, they didn't show us the maths behind no. that. Okay, they gave a little commentary on you know assumes 
recent changes in current market conditions and blah blah blah. But uh-huh. um, I feel like they'll do something it. funky, like yeah. they'll sell like half to some big buyer, and then the other half will somehow be like respun off into something else. It'll be something very strange. <laughs> it's gonna be something really weird that we're not expecting. I, I think yeah. Eddie Lampert gets all the best assets at a cheap right, price right. and leaves something like that. the crap for shareholders to deal with. It'll be something like that. I I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. <laughs> that that is my well, that is my like n- zero conviction <laughs> bet. <laughs> something like that will happen. I think they will be paid the Berkshire loan though. Like that's in June. I think they'll pay it off well before. Yeah. Theoretically, that like that sounds like a portion plan. So. Yeah, it sounds like they'll pro- they'll sort of pay the debt, pay the buy buy back the preferreds, and then yeah. look to do cash distributions. What was interesting is in that proxy, um, I don't I don't know if you guys caught it, but they actually said um, regardless of which way this vote goes about liquidation, fifty percent of the assets are already on the market. Um, I thought that was yep. an interesting. <laughs> yeah, those are the fifty percent that are going to Eddie Lampert. That's no, good. The- but the main point of the thing is for a merger to happen, right? For the entire company to merge with someone else. That's what this entire report is about, isn't it? Well, no, the main thing's about just a, a, a liquidation gives them kind of max flexibility. They can sell to a bunch of different people because they've got different types of properties in the portfolio. Liquidation but merger's yes, best but- case scenario, I think, because they want... Yes. The time frame is the most important factor. If it takes them five years to sell the assets, it's not even appealing, um, depending on the value they get, I guess. But if they can liquidate at $20 or so per share in tomorrow, that's best-case scenario, I guess, for them. Yeah, it's not It's not going to happen tomorrow. But <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder how long it will actually take, though, in this weird interest rate environment because um, it's, it's a lot of real estate, so... Are they going to chop it up to, to multiple buyers? Uh, it's probably going to be larger sales. I doubt they would. They're not going to do like one at a time, obviously. Um, so I wonder how they're going to do that. Or maybe they do. I don't, I'm I sure th- they're looking I think for a, be a bit of all sorts. Yeah. It could be like one buyer buys half another. And then like you get a bunch of little ones after that or something. I don't, I don't know. Maybe one will buy the whole thing, which would be interesting. How did the um? Do you do you know much of the history on how the equity Commonwealth sort of liquidation went down? Um, oh, like when they sold out all the office properties? We went from like yeah. hundred and fifty-four to yeah. four, I think. Yeah, and that was over like that was, that was slow and steady. It was over. Well, I guess not that slow, but it was over like five years. Five years. Yeah. yeah. Um, what sort of time? When when was it? It was like twenty fifteen to twenty. Yeah, something exactly. Like that. Something around there. Um. Is that more or less assets than Berkshire have to sell? Berkshire, I'm certage. Um, that around the same, I think. It's Is in it line with, yeah. Though so I would, I would yeah. venture to guess that the office properties are probably a little bit more marketable than you know an empty, empty Sears lot <laughs> or, or, or whatever. It's a broader mix here. Yeah. I think those were pretty much all office properties that were, for the most part, occupied, kind of like stabilized. So it's a different portfolio. I, I would assume the equity Commonwealth, like the number of properties might have been similar, but the total value was probably a lot larger than Seritage, I would guess. Maybe not. It was around $3 billion total. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what so they So they went from like 150 something to like four, and then they I bought like $3 billion in cash. So 
Well, some of that, a lot of that cash was paid out too along the way. So it was probably a bit, quite a bit more than three. Yeah. I don't know what it was exactly though. Um, you don't know the dividend history, something. huh? Yeah, they, they would do kind of infrequent dividends based on sales, and maybe round it up to four, four billion. They made. Yeah. So they yeah. were, so they were dividends that people were paying tax on. Yes. Because the other thing that's yeah. the the other thing that's interesting is They're not a um, weed anymore. Well, they they plan to. I don't. I forget what the legal term's called, but they plan to convert to like a some sort of liquidation entity. Um, hmm. And for so I need to figure this out for New Zealand, but for US investors, it said that um, distributions up until your cost basis. So if you bought at ten and they're going to pay out twenty, for example, um, your first ten dollars are basically tax free. They treat it like um, a capital gain, then not a dividend. Yeah, from from ten to twenty is is subject to capital gains tax for sure. US investors. Yeah. So it's, so it's a capital gain, not well. Dividends are taxed typically at your capital gains rate, anyways. Since they're since they're not a REIT anymore, if they're a REIT, then it'd be taxed at your it, it should be taxed at a uh, your income tax rate in the U.S. and that's an exchange for not having corporate level taxes. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I get. I guess all, all I'm saying is, um, if you're still interested in Seratich, figure out your tax situation. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to be yeah, quite the, important. The tax situation has changed. Um, interesting. I, I didn't know. Well, I, had, I hadn't heard of like a special vehicle, but it makes sense. Yeah. Cool. There we go. Well, that was that was good. It's good to have the gang back together. So it was good seeing all you. Um, I've, we'll have to do it again next week. <laughs> but but uh, with that said, I said it at the top of the show. Like, comment, subscribe. We very much appreciate it. Check out the links in the description. They can help us and maybe help you as well, which would be you know all for the better. And. Let us know what you think of these ideas. Are they great? Are they terrible? Uh, even if they're terrible, they're the best we got, <laughs> I guess. So um, if, and if you have other ideas, definitely go take them over to the Discord um, where there's some lively discussions about all sorts of things going on in there. So I definitely check that out as well. Um, Till next time, everyone. See ya.